What is good, Whisper Nation? We are talking the biggest and best and most important storylines heading into training camp for the 2019 season. And this is the NFC and AFC North edition right here on the 65th episode of the Fantasy Whispers. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Monday, July 1st, and you're listening to episode 65 of the Fantasy Whispers with your hosts, Johnny, Game Time Hicks, and Big Travi. And I'm Chelsea. And of course, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers. And you should definitely, definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com, where we have articles, latest episodes, and rankings. And most importantly, coming soon this month, we will be launching our draft kit for the 2019 season and, very importantly, our Patreon account. So head on over to the website and check those things out. Oh, it's good to be back with you guys. Welcome back, Welcome back. Chelsea. Yeah, we got, we got all been... the people's back. Yeah. So good. Well, actually, yeah, I should say welcome back to everybody. Chelsea's back. I'm back. Uh, Whisper Nation's back. Whisper Nation's been there just waiting with bated <laughs> breath. Uh, we love it. Chelsea, what have you been up to? You've been out on the streets just kicking ass just or what? Just kicking ass. Yeah, vacation. You yeah. Call it gearing up. I mean, we're, what, officially one month away from preseason football <laughs> starting. Two months away from our own draft on our League of Record. I know everybody oh. else has got their draft scheduled. Good stuff. We got a lot to gear up for. So I hope everybody out there's rested up, yeah. ready to go. Yeah, it's super exciting. As Chelsea uh, talked about, we are a couple weeks away actually from training camp. And so, Johnny, what we wanted to do today was give the Whisper Nation some of our biggest storylines, go through each division, one team at a time, and talk about our, you know, what's on our the forefront of our minds going into these training camps. Yeah, Travis, I'm I'm so excited to get into some of these things and and it also give Whisper Nation a little bit of a perspective on what we tend to look at in training camps and what we want to see in order to help make us either change our opinions on certain guys we might be high on or, you know, if we're on the borderline between uh, a couple of guys Watching the preseason and watching these storylines develop really helps us get a feel before our draft at what teams might do. For sure. And before we kick it off, uh, you mentioned, Johnny, something that you'd like to see. I mean, just to pivot a little bit, it's the NBA uh, free agent time right. right now. I thought it'd be really cool to ask you guys. Uh, we know that this can't happen in the NFL, but if it could, who would be some of the big name swaps that you'd like to see in the NFL? It's happening all over the place in the NBA right now, uh, but pull it to the NFL. And if, if we could have a free season or a free agent season similar to that, what would you guys want to see? You know, Travis, I'm going to grab the microphone first because I'm a bust like a bubble. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> you guys know me. I love just trade rumors. So the NBA trade or the NBA uh, free agency is just always so exciting to me. And so, yeah, like Chelsea said, it can't really happen in the NFL this way. Uh, but if it were one guy that I would just I'm going to have to go with the homer pick here. One guy that I would absolutely love to see come to the Arizona Cardinals and especially this offense would have to be my boy, Devontae Adams, man. If we could get Devontae Adams here in free agency somehow, some way, and kind of, you know, transition out of uh, the Larry Fitz era with, you know, an elite wide receiver like Devontae Adams, 
Oh my gosh, I would be over the moon ecstatic, Travis, for that for that to happen, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of the same vein there, talking wide receivers. I, I had wanted uh, Antonio Brown to come to Green Bay. That was one of the ones I thought would have been really fun to see Aaron Rodgers actually get an elite level uh, wide receiver. Not that Devontae Adams is an elite level talent-wise, though. A- Antonio Brown is like unmatched in work ethic and talent, so I thought that would have been fun and to have both of them would have been a, a lot of fun, but yeah, yeah, kind of fun to work these hypotheticals. Chelsea, you got anyone in mind? No. All right. No. <laughs> she hates the agency. She's like, shut it down. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I didn't even want to ask this question. So. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's jump into this thing, Johnny. We're talking the NFC North first, and we might as well start with the greatest NFC North team of all time. The Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I think a lot of uh, Bears fans would be like first to jump in there and be like, Whoa. and they'd be wrong, and they would be, and, the, wrong. and they would be wrong. <laughs> All <Bears>. right. <laughs> so let's talk about the Green Bay Packers, Johnny here, and I think you know I'll give you the the floor first. What is your biggest storyline for the Green Bay Packers heading into the 2019 season? So, Travis, for me, the biggest storyline is uh, it has to do with the running back position, right? Because there is such a disparity, one, in where these two running backs are going for the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. You have Aaron Jones, you know, an early round draft pick. And then Jamal Williams is is way back uh, in in the draft and mock drafts anyway. And, you know, early consensus is that, you know, LaFleur came over. He said, oh, this is going to be a timeshare. And it really, you know, weighed on us as fantasy and the fantasy community because we've been preaching, we've been screaming, please give Aaron Jones more opportunities. And so when you when you look at what could possibly unfold and what they might have in Aaron Jones, Travis, and what you could have on your fantasy team if Aaron Jones does take that lead mm-hmm. back role uh, is quite impressive, right? He averaged, you know, from weeks 8 to 14 last year when they kind of did hand over the reins. They listened to Aaron Rodgers a little bit more, put him on the field. Uh, Travis, he was fifth in rushing yards during that span. He averaged 0.99 fantasy points per touch. And you looked at, he was uh, involved in the passing game. He had 26 of 32 for 206 yards. And, you know, the rushing upside is definitely there. You like the running backs in a uh, Aaron Rodgers-led offense. So all of the signs point to hey, Aaron Jones could really be an RB1 if things fall right. And, you know, seeing what we saw from LaFleur last year with the whole experiment of doing the 50-50 split and then eventually what we saw with Derrick Henry towards the end of the season, I'm really hoping that he, you know, wrote it down in his little notepad or what was the what was the Blues, Blues Clues uh the handy dandy notebook handy notebook yeah I, I hope he wrote it down in his handy dandy notebook that hey let's just give the ball to the better running back and stop messing around uh so that's what i'm really looking do we just to. have a blues clues reference on the show we did hey yeah. we're 90s kids we can bring it nice up. we're not a pop ever. culture yeah so uh you know that's definitely something i'm gonna be watching how is this time split in in Green yeah. Bay during the preseason. Yeah. What is the news, right? We like to see the news build from 
early summer through training camp and see it in preseason, and that'll give a good indication of possibly what could happen in the regular season. So what did we see? We've already started to see rumors of you know Aaron Rodgers continuing to back Aaron Jones. We've seen Aaron Jones come in camp or in uh, mini camp in the best best uh, shape of his life, cutting weight. Mm adding muscle. So I'm really interested in that storyline because I think Aaron Jones, where his value is, could be a monster steal uh, for fantasy owners in 2019. But I know that you have a different position that you want to talk about and that you're really interested in. Yeah, it's definitely a different take on this team going in. I do want to add, you you know, you talked about the .99 fantasy points per touch for Aaron Jones. I don't think people truly understand this dude's upside. Like, seriously, this is not just a situation where opportunity would make him an RB1. His talent meeting with that opportunity could make him really special. That .99 fancy points per touch, better than in that in that 8 to 14 week span was better than Saquon, better than Zeke, better than CMC, Alvin Kamara, like these he was a really truly special back in that in that period of time. So, a lot of upside there, but on the other side, we know there's a lot of upside in the Green Bay wide receiver too when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and when he's on uh, you think about even last year, obviously it was a down year for Aaron Rodgers. He only threw, he threw a career low in, in touchdown rate uh, be, uh, based on the games he played. But Geronimo Allison in that first month was a wide receiver, 27 in PPR. He had 19 catches on 27 targets for 289 yards and two touchdowns. ESPN recently came out with a very interesting article about how this offense for Matt LaFleur now in here is tailored towards Marquez Valdez-Scantling or a player of his uh, – talent level and if uh, you talk to our buddy uh summy at the draft room podcast you guys should follow him at draft room podcast great follow great podcast there he talked about this or we we, we were talking back and forth about this with matt lafleur okay we wanted to get an idea of what kind of plays he's going to run is it going to be three wide receiver sets because a lot of the news is is that mvs will be lining up outside opposite Devonte adams and that would push uh geronimo allison into the slot mm. So if if there's three wide sets, you're like, man, these all maybe all three of these guys can eat, right? But if you look at what Matt LaFleur has done, especially we look back in Tennessee, that was the first time he was calling play. So it's really a small sample size. We don't have a lot to go off here. But um, you talk about the personnel groups, the 11 personnel. That's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. He ran that 58% of the time, 304 plays, the seventh fewest out of all 32 teams. So kind of not a lot there. 12 personnel plays. So we're talking one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. So eliminating that slot guy out of there, just doing the two outside wide receivers. Fourth highest, 139 plays. He was only behind Houston, Philadelphia, and Kansas City in that realm. So it looks like he wants to do that. If we go back in LaFleur's history, Uh, He was underneath Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. He was also with him in Houston and Washington. And so we saw what Shanahan does there. He he does those plays out of the 11 personnel only 39% of the time. And so the next closest was New Orleans. New Orleans in that regard. So we're just looking at a a team that's likely going to run two wide receiver sets. They're going to run a lot of two-back sets, a lot of tight ends. We've seen them pick up a bunch of tight ends still. Even with Jimmy Graham there, they're, they're cycling through tight ends. So I just see a team that wants to get a little more run-centric and set up play action and deep shots down the field. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm looking at this situation. If you're going to make me bet on a guy, I think it's MVS. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling has the best shot to come out of this as the number two 
uh, benefit beneficiary of Aaron Rodgers touchdowns and, and great throwing. So that that's my take. I think whisper nation should be really looking at who emerges as the number two when training camp starts. I just want to add, I thought it was so uh, sad watching 59 throwaways from Aaron Rodgers last year. The biggest number of shattered that record. It's huge. Yeah, yeah it's huge. Uh, and if you look at the breakdown of it, 21 of those are because he couldn't find anyone open in the deep field. So MVS is like the perfect candidate to be grabbing 21 potential extra catches right. down the field. Yeah. And then you talk about the double running back scenario. Like it's just they're tightening up in the ways that Aaron Rodgers fell flat last year. And that's such an exciting Packers team in the making, I think. Yeah. And the two running back set, you know, we for fantasy purposes, you're like, oh, I don't I don't know about that. But. He, you know, if they get Jamal Williams in there to actually block and not be, you know, he's not going to be catching a ton of balls out of the backfield. But if he's in there blocking and helping Rodgers see downfield, this offense could get to another explosive level it hasn't seen in a couple years. Did y'all see what Randall Cobb said about the Packers? What did he say? Oh, he just said he's hoping that they're the ex-girlfriend that five years down the road, they see him and he's doing well, happy with his kids and married. (laughs) That's hilarious. He's feeling feeling the big burden of having to go to America's second favorite team, the Cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shots fired. All All right. Well, going from the Packers to one of their biggest rivals, we're talking the Chicago Bears now, Johnny. And I think for me, the biggest storyline I see coming out of training camp or going into training camp, I should say, is Mitchell Trubisky, Johnny. Like this guy has very big breakout upside for me. If you look at weeks four through 10 of the 2018 season, he was the second best QB behind only Pat Mahomes. Week four, he posted 43 points, Johnny, and that's in six point touchdown leagues. Uh he posted multiple 30-point games. We're looking at another year in this offense under Matt Nagy. You're looking at a guy, and, and here's the thing. He got injured in that game in November against the Vikings, right? He missed two games right after that. It wasn't in the Thanksgiving Day game. It, it was looking a little ugly for the Bears there for a minute. But what isn't talked about enough is, you know, Trubisky's running style because before that, he had led the league in NF, or in rushing yards with 363, and he had three rushing touchdowns. That was third in the NFL. That was the level that got him to these 30-point games a lot because he's able to run the ball. After that injury, he was not running as much. And even in the Philadelphia playoff game, you saw him kind of be timid uh, because he wasn't running a lot. And I think you know, another year under his belt in this offense, he's going to be even more confident and actually pick his spots to run a little bit better. And so for me, you look at the weapons they've improved. They bring David Montgomery in, Mike Davis in. That offense could get more opportunities now because the run game's even more uh, dynamic. And then you've got all these offensive weapons they've brought in as well. I just, I'm really excited. Another year of Allen Robinson and that connection going. I really think Mitch Trubisky is one of those guys you can get super late and, and for me, if you're taking a quarterback late, Johnny, you want it to be a guy that can touch the top five, right? right. You, you don't want to be taking a guy like, no offense to Jimmy Garoppolo. I love Jimmy Garoppolo, but is this guy going to be a top five quarterback? Doesn't really have the rushing ability. No, not, but Mitchell Trubisky rushing ability, really dynamic, uh, you know, could be an elite offense by the time we, we wouldn't be surprised if that was the case at the end of next year. Uh, so I really like Mitch Trubisky and I'm really going to be watching that closely going into training camp. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you guys will see in a few episodes exactly how high I am on Mitch Trubisky. Oh, a little, sneak peek. Yeah, a little whisper, whisper, secret, secret there. Um, but 
I, I think Mitch Trubisky is a tremendous value, especially if you're waiting in drafts on him. Uh, one thing I do want to watch during preseason is it, there. You know, all the rumors are saying that he is more confident in this playbook and he's you know demanding the huddle a little bit better than he did last year. So I want to see it, how is that translating to uh, you know the preseason games. I know they're not going to get a, a lot of snaps, but I want to see what his reads are. I want to see is he being decisive with those reads or is he looking more to kind of scramble out and then wait to hopefully a guy will, you know, eventually break himself open. Uh, I do agree with your, uh, you know, and a big statement is they really lacked a really uh, threat at the running back position. Now, I know that they had Jordan Howard there, but Jordan Howard was struggling last year because people knew that if he was in the in, on the field, he's either blocking or he's running the ball. It's kind of easy to tell where David Montgomery, he's kind of a jack of all trades, which is uh, something I'll talk about in just a second. But uh, David Montgomery, if he's on the field, teams aren't going to be able to determine that as well. So it will be very, very <laughs> interesting to see how Mitch Trubisky uh, really handles this playbook. I'm looking forward to that. Same, but Travis, yeah. something I'm looking at and you know I want to watch is this Tyreek Cohen and David Montgomery split, right? Uh, so I actually think that both of these guys are being undervalued in fantasy right now. And why I say that is currently Tyreek Cohen is the 27th running back off the board. His average uh, average draft position is 6.01, according to FF uh, Calculator. And you look at David Montgomery, he is currently the 21st running back off the board at 4.03, which that might be a little bit high to some people because he's a rookie. But I want to throw some stats out there, right? For especially with Tyreek Cohen and PPR leagues, he finished as the RB11 last year in PPR. And even in standard, he finished as the RB17. Travis, again, let me reiterate, he is currently the 27th running back coming off the board in standard leagues. He had the most yards per route run of any running back in 2018 at 2.37 yards per route run. He had 47% of the time he was an RB2 or better in half-point PPR leagues. And he had 74 receptions on 91 targets. That's second, only behind James White of the New England Patriots. And guess what? James White's position, it kind of got worse for him. Uh, and, And the backs that they drafted there can kind of do what he can do. Whereas Tyreek Cohen... David, yeah, David Montgomery can catch out of the backfield, but I'll touch on that point in just a second, Travis. Tyree Cohen only had 99 carries last year, and guess what just left when Jordan Howard, 250 rushing attempts. Now, do you think David Montgomery will get all of those? Probably not all 250, considering he's a running back. He's you know going to get into the end of the league. I do think he can get over 200 carries, and I think that he can be spectacular with those carries, Travis. Uh, so I do think that Tyreek Cohen's carries will bump up, not a significant amount, maybe up to 120. But the major pa- uh, the major point with Tyreek Cohen is he's going to be used in- as a wide receiver more oftentimes than not. And last week he was on XM uh, Sirius XM NFL radio station, and they asked him, you know. What do you see from your position this year? Are you going to take that step forward? And he came out and he said, and I quote, I feel like I'm going to be doing the same things I was doing last year. My role is not going to change. I still have to be the receiving back, come in and change a pace back, run the ball, be the speedy guy. I'm just prepared for anything. However, I get the ball, however, I get the ball, end quote. So he's already coming out and saying, 
his role is going to be the exact same. And what his role last year was an RB 17, yet his value is RB uh, coming 27th off the board. And then he just alludes to the possibility of where David Montgomery, uh, what he could do this year. So for me, Travis, I think both of these guys could be very valuable in fantasy. I think Tyreek Cohen's a little bit more valuable as a PPR guy, but I have no problem taking any of these guys uh, where their draft position is currently, and I would even go up a little bit with both of these guys. Yeah, I have to disagree with you on Tariq Cohen. I like uh, David Montgomery. I think he's a value now. Cohen is probably about where I think he'll finish at this this year. And I think it's mostly to do because he had a lot of high efficiency in areas. Like five receiving touchdowns is quite a bit. That's not going to happen a lot. Um, you know, the, the league lead was seven. So we're talking about a guy that's getting. And then his yards per reception was pretty high as well, too, 10.21. So a lot of things that are very... Um, you know, not as sticky of stats. He also led the league in fumbles last year. Um, so he's got to get that under control as well. And I just think there are a lot of things that could regress for Tariq Cohen. I know he wants to be doing the same thing, but they also have never had a guy like David Montgomery to come in and be able to catch passes out of the backfield as well. And Mike Davis is there. So you talk about these carries that are, you know, vacated from Jordan Howard and and maybe Tariq Cohen gets a bump in carries. I think, honestly, those just go to uh, those <laughs> – those go to, um, sorry, uh, Chelsea put her feet up on the desk and totally <laughs> and just threw <laughs> off of what you were saying. Yeah, uh, I just so, want anyways. to say that um, one point I want to stat out is I understand you're saying that he's super efficient, but that's just the type of player he is, right? We said the same thing about Alvin Kamara last year. Oh, he's super efficient. He won't. He's not going to be able to hit those ceilings and look. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not. Just I'm not ready to. Offense. Yeah, I'm just not ready to make Tariq Cohen the next Alvin Kamara in my book. Like Alvin Kamara is truly special. I think Tariq Cohen is special as well. He's got a lot of great talent, and he's really good. I just once again, I think that. Uh, this offense has never seen somebody like David Montgomery before, and I think that actually stands to hurt Tariq Cohen more than anyone. Um, but moving on, Johnny, let's talk about our next team here, and we're moving along in the, the NFC North going to the Detroit Lions. And, uh, Johnny, what's your biggest storyline heading into the Detroit Lions season for 2019? Well, it has to do with the passing attempts, and more specifically, I'm going to be watching Kenny Galladay, right? Uh, Kenny G is going way high in drafts currently average draft position of 4.12. And to me, that's kind of where his ceiling could be. Travis, I think a lot of people are remembering the good times with Kenny G and not really understanding what happened during the second half of last season and seeing where, what he can do. So he's currently the 18th wide receiver off the board. But Travis, in order to finish uh, either at or above where he is currently being drafted, he's going to need 25% of the market share to match his 119 targets of last season. He had 20% market share in 2018. So I'm not sure if I see this happening, especially if they do end up going to the run-heavy scheme like they're coming out and saying the coaching staff is is alluding to that. So I'm watching to see, are they going to stay true to their word? Are they going to run the ball more in preseason and, and show us that? Um, you also look at some of the other positions that they added, Tommy Lee Lewis, Amendola, Jermaine Kearse, TJ Hawkinson. Um, so and then and they're going to get um, a Jones back, and so I want to see where 
when they pass, is Kenny G going to be their number one option that they're looking for? And as I keep diving into the numbers a little bit more and more, I love Kenny G as a player. I just think that he's just going too high in draft. So I want to get a true evaluation on what we can come to expect from Kenny G this year. And so for me, I'm going to be watching uh, that storyline compared to where's Marvin Jones? Is Marvin Jones uh, health-wise, right? He came off an injury last year. And he tends to be like the more uh, he's not going to be as much of a deep threat. So I think that if they do pass, uh, he will be like probably the number one option with Kenny G running the deeper routes. So it might be very, very limited. And Kenny G might be a huge bust this year for me. Yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree more with that take. And it's kind of what makes my storyline kind of fit because you talk about this high volume run game that they're trying to implement. They brought in more tight ends they want to run a bunch of multiple tight end sets um they want to run the football they tight brought in daryl block too like yes that's the yeah key i mean that uh, yeah they're not trying to throw the ball they're trying to run the ball here and, and we can see that in all the offseason they've done and why not when you have a guy like carry on johnson and so my biggest storyline is are they going to do this? Are they going to implement this? Is What is on Johnson ceiling here if we're talking about a team that really wants to do this, right? You look at last year, weeks 4 through 11, when he was the starter before he went down with injury, he was the RB15, and that was in PPR formats, 11th in rushing yards. He had 26 catches, Johnny, in seven games. He was on pace for 60 catches in a full year. Uh, that last year's 60 catches for perspective would have put you at RB10 in running back receptions right behind a guy called Theo Riddick, who may be on the roster bubble on this Lions squad. So even, you know, even more maybe uh, running back receptions up for grad here. His average 15.44 PPR points per game for on Johnson over a full year would have put him at 247 points. That would have been ninth, just ahead of David Johnson. We're talking about a guy that has a ceiling to be an RB1 without Daryl Bevel last year. Now we're bringing in Daryl Bevel. I mean, this guy has coached Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch, very high-centric rushing offenses. He's had 12 seasons as a play caller, Johnny. And in those 12 seasons, among all offenses, he's run the second most in the league and averages 30 times a game on average that he runs the football. We're talking about a team that wants to be tough, play to their defense. Obviously, Matt Patricia is a defensive guy. We see this all the time. Defensive head coaches come in. They want to run the ball and play defense. And I think this couldn't be better for on Johnson. When you're talking about guys in that 15 to 30 range, you really have to make a decision on guys with upside because not all these guys hit. And oftentimes they don't in that 15 to 30 range. So you want similar to what we were talking about with quarterbacks. You want to take a swing on a lot of these guys for guys that legitimately logically could be in the top five, top 10 at their position and carry on Johnson. For me, Johnny has huge upside. So I really want to watch in the preseason and see how they're going to use them. You know, like last year, We weren't really buying the hype with Christian McCaffrey, right? Mm -hmm. Not until the very end of preseason did we say, oh, they are going to use him in that fashion. Then, boom, uh, he was climbing up draft boards. So I really am excited to see how Detroit plans to implement on Johnson. Yeah, so Travis, something I do want to point out because uh, I think it's a really big note and it's it's not being stated enough. Uh, the whole, you know, letting go of Theo Riddick is, is huge. And I'll tell you why it's being understated because you, we talked about, you know, this, this offense could regress and pass and passing downs, right? They want to run the ball. So then you would naturally say that how would carry on Johnson's 
uh, you know, receptions increase if they're going to be throwing the ball less? Well, it's because Theo Riddick is no longer there or could no longer be there or be on the field to take away those limited amount of, of pass catching opportunities. And therefore, those would be able to be added to carry on Johnson and say that he could be on track uh, to, you know, increase his receiving workload there. So I really like th- those points. Yeah, and I think just, you know, moving on from Detroit, we're going to go to another team that's kind of shifted their, uh, you know, back to their roots of running the ball and playing defense. And for me, it's the Minnesota Vikings. And so on, along that same line, it's it's Dalvin Cook for me, Johnny. And I think he's ready to eat in this offense. I just did a, a deep dive on Gary Kubiak, really wanted to understand what he's done for running backs. If we look at his time in Houston, he had Steve Slayton in 09 as an RB26, then a back-to-back-back onslaught of Arian Foster through 2010. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Three uh, seasons in a row of Arian Foster being the RB3 or better. He was the RB1 in 2010, RB3 in 2011, RB3 in 2012. In 2013, he got hurt. He only played in eight games, but he was on pace to be the RB16. We look at even in Baltimore, Justin Forsett, who was thought by many to be on his way out, was the RB8 for uh, Gary Kubiak in Baltimore. And then in Denver, you saw a little bit of a tail off in his running backs, but not exactly the most talented guys. Ronnie Hillman was the RB25 in 2015, and Booker was the RB29 in 2016. I mean, you're looking at a guy here in Dalvin Cook that is probably as talented, if not more talented, than a lot of the guys I just listed off for Gary Kubiak. So that's a big thing. His receiving work is very, very good. He can catch the ball, does not drop the ball a lot. From weeks 12 on last year when he was finally fully healthy in this offense and they got rid of John Filippo, they got back to running the football, Dalvin Cook was the RB6 in PPR. And for those final four weeks, he averaged 18 touches a game, 103.5 all-purpose yards, and scored three touchdowns. Johnny, I'm really excited about Dalvin Cook. Obviously, he needs to stay healthy, right? He's only played in you know a, a handful of games in the two years that he's been here. But I think that he's finally got some of the knee issues behind him. I feel like last year's injury was to compensate for the knee, so he should actually be in a lot of uh he should be in a good shape for uh, to head into 2019 and i'm excited to see what he does here all right travis i want to flip it over to the wide receivers and talk about the wide receivers in this offense because just like you just touched on they want to run the ball a little bit more and so what did we see over that second half of the season well we saw adam thielen fall off significantly and we saw Stefan Diggs kind of maintain what he had been doing for uh, the first half of the season and so for me I'm going to come out I'm going to plant my flag I'm going to say it I'm going to say what everyone is thinking but they are too ashamed or too sad to say it Stefan Diggs will be better than Adam Thielen in 2019 and Travis the stats you know back that up over the second half of last year, Diggs and Thielen roughly had the same amount of volume, but Diggs had slightly more with 53 targets versus 50. They both had 36 receptions. Diggs had six touchdowns versus five touchdowns of Adam Thielen. So with the healthy Dalvin Cook and the running game going, what tends to happen is more play action. And who is that going to benefit more? It's going to benefit Stefan Diggs more than it will Adam Thielen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Adam Thielen is a bad wide receiver. I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver in 2019. But I just think that where his draft value is going right now 
compared to Stefan Diggs draft value. It's about a difference of two whole rounds, Travis. I'm going to be taking a stab more at Stefan Diggs than Adam Thielen. Uh, and I will want to look at uh, preseason and see if this continues the trend or not, because let's say that you know, they come out and Adam Thielen is still the main target monster that he was in the past two seasons. Then I could end up changing my mind, but it's definitely going to be something I'm watching. But knowing what I know about the stats and what I saw over the last half of last season, I'm going to come out and say Stefan Diggs will be the better value and have a better season than Adam Thielen. Yeah, I love that take. We've been talking as a fantasy community for years about be you know the guy here and we thought it would be Diggs just based on talent alone the upside was there I think we're finally going to see an offense that really lets Diggs shine here mm-hmm. a lot of play action stuff work down the field and if you look at Gary Kubiak over the years he hasn't been the best with slot receivers where Adam Thielen kind of lives um, so we'll, I, I really like that take there but we'll be moving on now to the AFC North uh, to talk about the four teams up there and some storylines we like there Johnny I'm going to kick us off with that Pittsburgh backfield um, I think we both agree that this is probably the biggest storyline to watch here in Pittsburgh for this. Uh, is it going to be a timeshare? There's a lot of talk about Jalen Samuels coming in. Uh, obviously, he was the guy who spelled James Conner during his injured time and did well. This is a, a converted tight end into running back. Um, they brought in Jalen Samuels' old coach, his old college running back coach, to be the running back coach for Pittsburgh. Uh, but for me, James Conner has really done nothing to lose the lead dog role for me. I just don't understand why they would be taking it away unless they are concerned about durability. And I actually kind of think, and this may be a, a different take than a lot, I think Jalen Samuels stands to benefit from Antonio Brown leaving and and more be a, a pass catcher for this offense in a different way. And James Conner still can live as the as the lead dog in this backfield. Johnny, in podcast. the... In, you can hear more from John in the Travis six, on Google or in Play, those games he played in last year. He missed three games and he was still RB six. So for me, like he's he's a whispers. very talented guy. They're going to get volume, and I think that there's room to grow for the Steelers in the rushing department. Last year they were second in the NFL in pass attempts, but second to last in rushing attempts. So could we see this balance back out? And then if so, if if we already had James Conner as RB six and they didn't run the ball all that much, like then I think Jalen Samuels can exist and James Conner can still be worth that first round pick potentially. Yeah, I I definitely agree that James Conner should maintain most of his value. Now, whether he should be taken in the first, I'm still a little sketchy on that because I do want to watch in preseason exactly how this split is. Is it a 60-40? Is it a 70-30? Is it more 50-50 like some of them have alluded to? And I just don't see the 50-50 split, Travis, because of how efficient James Conner was last year. Travis, you're looking at a guy who 7 of the 12 weeks was an RB1. 10 out of 13, he was an RB2. Yes, when Samuels came in, he was averaging uh, 5.5 yards per carry. But you look over at his receiving stats, and I think that's where it more so backs it up, Travis. He was... 22 he had 22 catches on 23 targets for 165 yards I think he's going to be more of the third down running back Travis Uh, I don't think you can take away what James Conner did in the running game because it was you know either comparable if not better than what uh what Le'Veon Bell was doing so why would you want to take that guy off the field if you're you know if you're doing that also in rushing attempts inside the five James Conner had the third most 
And inside uh, the 10, he had the eighth most. He had 12 total rushing touchdowns. You know what the single season rushing touchdown record for uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offense was? 14, Travis, by a game, uh, by a guy. It wasn't Le'Veon Bell. It was Franco Harris. Uh, So for me, James Conner is so good that why wouldn't you want to keep him on the field as much as possible? So for me, I still think that James Conner can return an RB1 value. I'm hoping that his his draft stock drops to the second round uh, to in order to get a better value for yourself. It kind of hedges your bet a little bit. But I'm confident in James Conner. But here's the other thing is Curtis Samuel, what we've seen is if James Conner does get injured again, uh, which I don't think he will, I just think he wasn't ready for that type of workload. And I think reducing that might also help him. Uh, I think Jalen Samuel would be a a tremendous value. So I would advise that if you do take James Conner with your first round pick, which I'm okay with, um, you definitely have to go and get Curtis Samuel and and uh in my or Jalen uh, Samuels sorry Jalen yeah. Samuels uh in my eyes you have to maybe even reach a round or two uh, ahead in order to lock that up because if he if James Conner does go down he will be an RB one for sure yeah all right moving on Johnny we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals now uh, because we have to yeah. because it's <laughs> it's listed because they're in the NFL <laughs> right yeah. But here's the thing. I think that's what's happening here is a lot of the community is going, uh, the Bengals. Uh, okay, whatever. Yeah, even Bengals, think... even Bengals fans are doing that. Like, they understood that yeah. comment. Even when we were like, us, oh, so we have to. They're like, eh, yeah. yeah, I understand. It's like vanilla ice cream. Nobody's excited about it, but we'll still eat it. Like, but I bet you have uh, potential fantasy upside to offer. Hey, yes. Unless, unless I, that's vanilla bean ice cream. That you, stuff is. Dude, you add a couple, like you add some hot fudge to that ice cream, and now we're talking about something completely different. Right. And I think Zach Taylor stands to be the hot fudge for this offense. Uh, coming in from the Rams, he he's going to add some flavor to this offense. I really think so. Um the team was not playing that bad before Andy Dalton went down with injury. I mean, you look at just A.J. Green, right? Uh, weeks one through eight was the fantasy wide receiver six in PPR. Uh, 45 catches on 76 targets, 686, seven yards, and six touchdowns. They have decent line play. We know Joe Mixon, but I think we're missing the fact here that this offense, Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green, could both stand to benefit from a really strong run game and we've seen how Dalton loves both of those guys. I think that there's a lot of room for some good upside in this offense. If you would have taken A.J. Green's games and extrapolated them out for the whole year, he would have ended up as the wide receiver eight. So you're talking about a guy you can get in the third round right now, Johnny, uh, that has wide, you know, wide receiver one upside. And when he plays 16 games, that's what he does. We know that. Uh, he averages 89 catches. 1,287 yards and 10 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns in games that, you know, are in seasons that he averages or that he plays 16 games. That's his average. So for me, we might be sleeping and snoozing a little bit on the Cincinnati Bengals, Johnny. Yeah, uh, Travis, I, I definitely think that there there is a an area where, you know, I'm high on Joe Mixon. I know that you like Joe Mixon. Uh, I am a huge fan of A.J. Green and his value right now. And Tyler Boyd is secretly a very, very, re- like, really good wide receiver. Um, so Shh, Don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, those pieces are, are very nice. That offensive line should be improved, even though uh, 
you know, the rookie went down. But Travis, the thing that I don't see, and I, this is what I don't want people to um, to jump to the conclusions, right? And this is kind of where I went with it. People are going to say, well, Johnny Game Time and Big Travi and, and woman behind the glass, Chelsea Lee Byers. Uh, <laughs> if you're saying that all of these guys are going to outperform their ADP, why wouldn't we go out and get Andy Dalton? Why wouldn't Andy Dalton be a guy that you guys are talking about as a sleeper? And I want to pump the brakes at that at that because he's still asleep. Yeah, because he's still asleep, <laughs> and I don't think he's going to wake up. Because you look at what he has done over his career, Travis. He's his best finish was a, a, a quarterback five, and that was back in two thousand thirteen. Look, even my dog, my dog is falling asleep as I talk about Andy Dalton's stats here. <laughs> um, you look at uh, what his second best finishes throughout his career. QB 12. So yeah. and that was in 2016 and 2012, Travis. So even I think it's though, just well, I think like, it's just more about like talking about Andy Dalton and talking about the quarterback class. Right. Right. It's just super deep. He, he could he could have a very successful season and still only be QB 12 for you. Like his range of outcomes is not very high. He's not going to get to that top tier. And so, yeah, I agree 100 percent. Like, let's not let's pump the brakes on Andy Dalton. Yeah. But let's not completely pull the e-brake on this Cincinnati Bengals offense right. and, either. And I, agree, and I agree with that because, like like I said, and like you said, I am high on Joe Mixon. I am high on A.J. Green. I am high on uh, on Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Thank you. So uh, I have no problems with that. I just don't want people to go as far as I saw. We were in a Twitter conversation and and people were like, oh, people are sleeping on Andy Dalton. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's I want to let Whisper Nation. Andy Dalton is sleeping on Andy Dalton. Yeah. Please don't go to that extent. But I agree with you. I think all of these guys are, are values at even yeah. where their ADP is at right now. And I and I think another team there or at least another player we could be sleeping on speaking of the quarterback position is for the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Um, I just keep hearing this that he can't throw. Um, we're hearing, hearing a lot about his footwork and him as a prototypical quarterback. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter. Like right. this fantasy is fantasy football, football. Like we don't care if he can't <laughs> throw the football for the most part. He's essentially a running back playing the the quarterback position. However. Uh, he did improve his passing stats over every year in college. And so we're talking about it from the wrong angle of, oh, my God, he can't throw. Like, does this guy not have room to improve here? Uh, I, I think so. They rehauled this offense. Think about what they did, Johnny. They had gone 10 weeks. They went into their bye, and then they completely shifted the offense. They dropped a bunch of players. They brought in guys. Um, they brought in tight ends like that's all they had this wide receiving core was terrible uh, they had mediocre running backs at best uh, don't get me wrong Gus Edwards was a stud down the stretch but like you know they didn't have a they had Ty Montgomery who's a converted wide receiver like they did not have a ton of real weapons in this offense and in those weeks from weeks 11 through 17 Lamar Jackson was the QB5 Okay, so he took over this offense. He only had five passing touchdowns, yes, but four rushing touchdowns and 554 rushing yards. The guy was a monster, and I think all they've done on this offense is bring in Greg Roman to be the offensive coordinator who was with Tyrod Taylor and Colin Kaepernick uh, and has really done a lot of good work with mobile quarterbacks. They brought in Marquise Brown. Uh, the, the tight ends are going to be fully healthy this year. Uh, they brought in Mark Ingram. 
I really like what they're trying to do here on this offense, bring a lot of speed for Lamar Jackson. I think it's about time we stop saying, you know, he can't throw and saying, well, what if he gets a little bit better at throwing? And what if this offense just got better? Like, so I think that's the storyline we need to take a a look at, Johnny. Yeah, I want to give another shout out uh, because I'm going to steal these stats from our, our good buddy Sammy over at Draft Room Pod. Um, he posted on Twitter the other day, and I think this is a very important stat to realize, you know, say and realize and understand, right? Top 12 cornerback finishes correlating to total plays run by a team out of top 16 teams each year. So he's taking the top 16 teams that have run the total amount of plays that are the most plays in the league and then breaking down the, how those quarterbacks finished each year. So what, what do we know? We know that the Baltimore Ravens averaged 64 plays per game, uh, which was good for 10th uh, on the on this list of, of top 16 teams, right? Okay, so in 2013, eight of the quarterbacks finished as top 12. In 2014, 11 quarterbacks finished in the top 12. In 2015, nine of those quarterbacks finished in the top 12. 2016, five. 2017, five. And 2018, seven. So there is a very, very good chance, based on the odds and what we've seen in uh, in history, that the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Miller or Lamar Jackson could return tremendous value for your fantasy team, and even more so. This is why that puts a little. You know, you talked about the little the vanilla ice cream with the the chocolate <laughs> on top. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put even a strawberry on Get top hungry. of. All of that right here with Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to tell you that, Travis, with what with what they're doing in this offense and you have Lamar Jackson, you know, and all this upside, he is going so late in drafts yes, that yes. that's why it makes it okay to take a step. You talked about these, you know, running backs and you want to you want to draft running backs that have that RB1 upside, not, you know, running backs that they're going to be an RB2 and that's what they're going to be. You want guys that have a lot of upside. Well, what what do you what are you looking for in late rounds? You're looking for guys that have that elite upside and Lamar Jackson 100%. has that elite upside to me. Yeah, 100%. I think he does. And I think if we keep banging the drum, we may drive his track draft price a little up. But I'm okay to do that because, listen, I want Whisper Nation to realize this guy has, you know, cheat code ability within him. And so they, they really need to be ready for that. But speaking of cheat code, I believe like the, the Cleveland Browns were on cheat code this offseason yeah. with some of the moves they made. They were playing a little Madden Ultimate team, Travis. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is exactly how I would do it. Like, trade no trade clause or uh <laughs> if you want to veto the trade not possible Just <laughs> yeah no. smash the x button right so the cleveland browns here for me johnny it's all about nick chubb and this conundrum we have over nick chubb right now because one of those moves that cleveland made was to bring in kareem hunt and so we, we've got to talk about what that means obviously eight games suspended they're by so the first nine weeks of the season we're not going to see Kareem Hunt, so it's just going to be Chubb's backfield. Maybe Duke Johnson stays. I think it's likely Duke Johnson stays on the team until you know the trade deadline probably um, because they're going to want to keep some yeah. depth there before they bring Kareem Hunt back. But I think we need to talk about what Nick Chubb did last year when he took over in Week 7 after the Carlos Hyde trade. From that point on, Chubb was the RB8. He was third in rushing attempts. We talk about how he's not used in the in the passing game, but he was third in rushing attempts behind only Zeke and Saquon Barkley. 
Um, I'm having a hard time here, Johnny, because I just think in a football sense, if they have Nick Chubb and they're running him out there every week and he's dominating like he did last year and he's within the top 10 in, in rushing attempts, top five in rushing attempts, I don't, and they're winning. That's the big thing for me. And, and they're winning football games. I don't see a scenario where Kareem Hunt comes in and substantially takes a ton of Chubb's work away if they've got a well-oiled machine that's working. Uh, in football sense, that doesn't make sense to me. And I just look at I look at Nick Chubb. He looks like a really good running back. He's doing big things. They start running the ball more and having this offense be a little more high-powered than even it was last year in the last eight weeks. I think Chubb's going to stand to see a lot of opportunity and if we talk about, I know his draft price is a little high. We're talking second round still, right? So I think that is a little high. But if you, if if he is going to start out with that volume, you're going to start hot with Nick Chubb. And starting hot in fantasy football is important. You have to do that because then you can work the waivers to try and supplement any kind of regression you see Chubb getting once Kareem Hunt comes in. And so for me, I think Nick Chubb is fine to be drafted in the second round. I think you at least know he's going to be the guy for nine weeks. And nine weeks is a substantial amount of time for you to get ready for your fantasy playoffs. Travis, something uh, that I want to point out for this, I'm going to actually pivot here because I was going to, I was going to bring up a topic, but something that as you were breaking this all down that I just started, you know, brewing in my brain. Uh, That's a dangerous place. It is a dangerous place, but um when when Kareem Hunt was originally signed, right, everyone gave the Browns flack for it. They said, why are you picking this guy up? I can't believe you would do that. You know, it, the, the, the community was pretty outraged, right? And the first words out of his mouth, out of the GM's mouth, were, well, we could look to trade him. And as you're breaking down these numbers, right, Nick Chubb is an, an, a tremendous value. We know that they've come out and said they're not going to trade Duke Johnson. People were, you know, there was a couple of teams that were interested in Duke Johnson that were reported. Houston was one of them, uh, and I think there was a couple others. Dallas. Dallas, yes, thank you. So let's say that the value, you know, maybe they were willing to trade Duke Johnson, and then the value of Duke Johnson, what they, I think they were only, you know, we already know trading values uh, for players in the NFL are kind of weird it doesn't make a lot of sense most of the time but what if what he was saying was absolutely true let's say that Nick Chubb he they have eight weeks to see what he could do as a bell cow let's see or uh, excuse me 10 weeks uh to see what they can do as a bell cow so let's say that they get two weeks seven which is around the trade deadline and Nick Chubb is just destroying things it's just like when you in fantasy football when you pick up a suspended player Guess what starts to happen the closer and closer that gets to that player? People being, want him. They, people want him. And people are willing to, guess what, overpay because they also are like, okay, first I didn't have to wait. I didn't have to sit him on my bench this whole time and waste the roster spot. The second thing is I can see his upside and what he can do, which we have seen what Kareem Hunt can do. So could it be realistic that he was being truthful and saying that, yeah, we are going to trade Kareem Hunt. We saw an opportunity to pick him up, and we already know that he's all about making trades for draft picks or getting players. This team, does their aspirations isn't just to go to the, the playoffs. They are loading this team up because they want to go to the Super Bowl. So let's say they get to week seven, 
and they they get to week seven and they you know they find out hey you know i need a corner because our corner is the only thing we're lacking if we get a corner i feel yeah. like our team is complete now they have a trade piece and kareem hunt to get a draft pick think, and a and a thing so i think that's an excellent take johnny i think what we talk about here is what we're not or what you you know aren't really talking about the most too is the running back market at that time right. too like yes. running back is one of the most you know volatile positions in the nfl because they are getting injured all the time and so yes hold on to that shiny piece in kareem hunt who has been a league leader in rushing before and dangle that in front of teams yep. that are you know, that are seeing the atrophy in the running back department and and then boom they can pounce on that so exactly. i love that take i love i love what we're talking about here with the browns i think it's 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 uh it's an interesting point here I but just, uh, i just want to make one other thing travis on on that so with that being said i i think that nick chubb yes is he going to be a gamble uh where he's currently going absolutely but if you take that gamble and it and it ends up being that cream hunt is traded all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who would be your he would be a top six pick if we knew that he was going to be the number one RB all season, Travis. So you're looking at a guy now that's going in current ADP is in the second round because of the fear of Hunt. So just keep that in your mind if you're taking uh, Nick Chubb. Couldn't agree more. And to, speaking of gambles, we need to send it over to Chelsea that concludes show and see if we <laughs> dangle debate to other shows yeah i don't know Sorry, repeat that last segment that you just oh. did it cut out oh, okay so send it over to Chelsea. yeah i couldn't agree more johnny and speaking of gambling and trades here we've got to send it over to chelsea and see if we gambled away our future <laughs> on this show and if she's going to be wanting to trade us to another podcast or <laughs> out of her life so <laughs> uh no you guys can stick around oh <laughs> yeah we did it <laughs> This one was awesome. No, I do. I mean, we just went through two different divisions. There's, a, you know, eight teams that we did quick run throughs. If there was one storyline that you had to stay glued to, what would it be? Of all these storylines? Of all these storylines. What's the one that got that has your heart going the, the fastest? Ooh. Go ahead, Johnny. You got one? Uh, for me, it's definitely the – it would definitely be the Green Bay Packers uh just actually just the Green Bay Packers offense as a whole, because right. uh, I really think that that offense is going to bounce back in a major way. And so I want to see what pieces, uh, you know, I want a piece of that offense any way that I can get it. So I want to look and pick and choose, you know, what's the best value going in drafts for that offense and, and, you know, see what the tendencies are, uh, because I, sure. I think that there's a lot of value there. So it's the Green Bay Packers for me. Yeah, in the similar vein, we're talking running backs on a high-powered offense. I'm going James Conner. I think this Jalen Samuel split is the biggest storyline that we talked about today because we're talking about Le'Veon Bell, who has consistently, when he's healthy, been drafted in the top five in fantasy right now. And right now, we can't wrap our heads around why we're not drafting or why like we get that weird feeling drafting James Conner in the back end of the first round. And so I, I just feel like that's because of this Jalen Samuel situation. And we need to see if, if, if Mike Tomlin is going to break what he's always done in the NFL and give one guy the workload. And we need to see that in, in training camp at preseason, because that's a bit like your first two, three picks are the most important in your draft. They really set the tone. And so for me, it's the James Conner and, and Jalen Samuels situation in, in Pittsburgh. Awesome. 
cool people. Yeah, well, that is it, guys. Uh, as always, if you want more content, please head over to our website, thefantasywhisperers.com. We've got all that content there. If you liked what you saw today, you have any stories you want to talk about, please hit those comments down below. Like, subscribe. Let us know what you're thinking. Slide into our DMs. We love it. Um, I'm Big Travi. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks and also the woman behind the mirror, the glass on top of a mountain, Chelsea <laughs> Byers. Uh, we love you, Whisper Nation, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Beta. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.